I'm glad I could say, <clears throat> say this morning out of the uh, openness and the reality of my heart that I do feel peace. Does that mean then that because I feel peace this morning that uh, there are no more troubles left and I'm going home just to uh, face this big old world and all the realities of life just uh, with this uh, complete peace that I, I'm just going to um, have no more trouble? No, Kyra says no, and she's right. In our prayer group, um, Grant's been doing a, a wonderful job of leading us to the deep places in our lives to go down deep and to expose and bring out, and we've prayed together, and it's been a rich time. And he told us the last time we were together, the next time we come together, we want to talk a little about fears. Because we're going to be leaving. We're coming to the end of this week. It's been rich. It's been deep. It's been good. But we're getting ready to leave and go home. And we want to talk about what fears that, that thought might bring up in you. And so, fear's real, isn't it? Well, this morning, we get to talk about another name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And uh, we've already exposed that we're going to talk about the wonder of worship. The wonder of worship. When you write that down in your notes, I want you to be careful how you spell it. More importantly, probably you'll do okay with your spelling. But be careful how you pronounce it. It's worship. You see, there's two ships docked on the pier. One, is, uh, one has on the side of it, it's christened worship. The other one is christened Worship. Be careful. Um, this morning, as we think about uh, entering into this topic of the Prince of Peace, I really hardly know where to go. I really don't. There's so many avenues you could go into. I want us to first of all think about the Jesus' name is Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And so he is the prince. What is a prince? Think about what, do you, what image do you get when you think about a prince? Um, go ahead and say it. Some, I see somebody. Royalty. Royalty. Son of a king. Son of a king. Heir to the throne. Heir to the throne. Noble. Noble. Did you know the word prince, principle comes? They come out of the same root word, principle things. The prince, he is the top. He is overall. He is excelling. Um, as we think about that, let's do another little math lesson here. We've already learned about the eternity of God. He's everlasting Father. We've been talking about eternity. I want you to say, as soon as you recognize what I'm drawing on the board, shout out what this is. You guys are quick. It's been a long time since I've been in math class, but that's right, infinity. Why is this a fit symbol for infinity? It, it never ends, right. It just never ends. Well, I'm not finding the end this way. What if I go back the other way? It just never ends. It's a sign to show infinity. And so I wanted you to think this morning about infinity, the infinitude of God, the uh, everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace. And I want you to, uh, we're going to do a little math problem here because I want you to think about how much of this peace that God has, you can have. How much of it did He designate for you? What happens if you take infinity, whoops, yeah, infinity and divide it by 7 billion people. There's 7 billion people on the face of the earth. 
Seven billion people on the face of the earth today. What happens if you take infinity and divide it out so that every one of those seven billion people gets their share? How much do they get? Somebody say it. Infinity. And so this, this great magnitude or this, this mass of peace that God has, He wants to divvy out to each of us and every one of us can have all of it. That, that just really is staggering to me. Just uh, shows the, the magnitude of God. Let's do another little math problem. Let's just assume for a minute, and, and we know this is not true, but let's just assume for a minute that we have an infinite supply, this, this infinite storehouse of peace, and we find that lo and behold, there's an, also an infinite need. And so we try to take this infinite peace and divide it by an infinite need. How much is there going to be for every part? One. Enough for everyone. Even if there was an infinite need, every part would get just what it needed. So as we get ready to go home, is there anything to be afraid of? The Bible says perfect love does what? Casteth out fear. Why? For fear hath torment. Satan is going to want to take your peace away from you when you leave. Um, I found in my life, and I'm sure you found it the same way, that I have a little peace meter in me. And um, have you ever been to, I'm, I'm trying to think of an illustration this morning, and most of you have probably been in the hospital room somewhere and watched a heart monitor. You've seen that and all of a sudden it's, it's monitoring activity and boom, it goes up and it comes back down and it bounces around a little. Boom, it goes up. And, and I found that within me, within my being, I have a little peace meter. And I'm, I, I sometimes think that nobody knows about that thing but me. But I can really feel it down inside when some word is said or some event happens or something happens inside me, I can begin to feel that meter rising. And my, I feel my peace leaving as anxiety comes in or fear comes in or doubt comes in. If any of you experience that, put your hand up if you have. I think this is really, really important because that is the very moment we need to recognize that we are bought with a price and that we are owned by the Prince of Peace. And he has an infinite supply of peace for us at that moment. I want us to just um, soak in that reality. Oh yeah, before I forget it, um, I want to thank all of you brethren that had devotions for breakfast this week. It has been a blessing. I just love to hear out of the heart of young men and young ladies as well. But I just uh, can't help but comment just a little bit about the the devotions this morning because as it ties in with this subject, um, I was hearing this morning about a sword and it immediately made me think of the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is quick. That means it's alive. The Word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's uh, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Well, I want to demonstrate something really simple for you this morning, but when you talk about the Word of God being sharp and it's a two-edged sword, you know a two-edged sword is a dangerous thing? You know, if you pick up a sword that has an edge on one side, like a knife, you pull a knife out of the drawer, there's a safe side and there's a sharp side, right? Well, a two-edged sword has a blade on both sides. And that's a powerful thing if you're a warrior because you can cut this way and you can cut this way and wherever you swing that thing, it's cutting. Well, I want you to notice what happens. I want you to think about, I'm going to illustrate it here, your sword in its sheath. You have your sword in its sheath. And there's a need to use the sword, the Word of God. It's a, it's a weapon that's used, if you notice in Galatians 6, that most of the weapons or the armors, the, the parts of the armor, are for protection. But the sword of the Spirit is to be used offensively, not just defensively. Offensively. So I want you to picture your sword in its sheath. 
And when you draw that out, it must first cut here before it can wield here. That makes sense? The Word of God must first cut in my life before I wield it in the life of another. I want you to all stand up and draw your sword. Okay, draw your sword. Right, now let's put it back. There will be a need. You can sit down, thank you. There will be a need to wield that. But I want you to have the image as you leave here today that uh, we're, we're men of worship, not warship. We're not on the warship. We are men of worship. There will be a need for each of you to wield the Word of God in the life of another if you live beyond the end of the day. But first, carry with you the thought that the Word of God must cut in our own heart first. Um, this passage of Scripture we've been looking at, I have left a portion of it fairly untouched. And I'd like to talk about it right now. Isaiah 9.6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and then what? The government shall be upon his shoulder. The government is on his shoulder. And so it has uh, been placed by God, the responsibility of this prince of peace, this prince, this son of God, you said, this royal king, the king of kings, this prince of peace is going to have the government on his shoulder. And so we want to be engaged in his army with his sword behind his banner because he is the one who has the responsibility of governing. And we want to be governed by him. His name is, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Men are crying out all over the world for peace. There are two ships on, on the um, pier this morning. And we're going to get to those two ships a little later. Okay, let's look at a passage of Scripture together in John chapter 14. We want to read, um, we want to take the time to read most of this chapter. John 14, beginning in verse, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. On Friday of Bible school. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. This is being spoken in the upper room. Uh, Jesus is uh, speaking to his disciples, and he is just about to exit the upper room and go down to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to... Um, Go to the trial. He's about to go to the scourging. He's about to go to the cross. And he says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. They couldn't understand it either like we can't, and they begin to ask questions. And Jesus says in the sixth verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. He's speaking there to the apostles as they begin to ask questions. And then he talks about the comforter we've been hearing about. He's going to send this comforter in his absence. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And um, we're going to drop on down now to verse 23. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, 
And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. I want you to take this verse home with you. I want you to take this home with you. This is, these are red letters. This is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, speaking to you. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not... And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, God at work. God at work in a new generation, in a new nation, in a new age, in you. Whom the, Holy, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Do you uh, feel like you're... I can tell it actually by looking. You don't even have to tell me. We are cups running over, aren't we? You know, when uh, David had the pitcher up here and the glasses and he was talking about and he had Russ up here filling glasses, some a little bit and some a little more and some a little more. One thing I was hoping he would do at the end is just fill one. Just keep filling it. <laughs> That's what being full of the Holy Ghost is like. It just, just let it run over. That's baptism actually. Completely immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have been so immersed we can hardly take in another thing and yet we're going to heap it up and pack it down because this Word of God is powerful in our lives. Okay, the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. That's one blessing we have when we leave here. We're going home. We're going home to circumstances and situations that have not changed. But I trust you're going to go home changed in that circumstance. And I also know this. You have been baptized in the Word this week. And I have seen you opening your lives and pouring out your hearts. And you are making space for more of His presence. And I praise God for that. I am excited about what I see in you, in your young, you young people's lives and all of us together. But we can't contain it all. But this says, when you need it, when you need it, He'll call it to your remembrance. And I'm thankful for that this morning that the Prince of Peace wants to do that for us. Let's look at verse 27 together. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Neither let it be afraid. There are two ships on the pier this morning. And this passage of Scripture says that we, we, have, an op two, we have an option. We have two options. We have the option to choose between these two ships. And that is the peace of the world. And this thing looks like a porcupine. It's got cannons sticking out all over the sides of it. This is, this is uh, the, the way that the world has peace is to conquer and, and overcome and press their agenda and to overcome the enemy. That's the way the world says to have peace. But Jesus says, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled. What is, let's read this. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So as we go home, uh, this afternoon we're going to have a time again of prayer, meeting with each other and confessing and opening our hearts. And we've done that with a lot of sin. And one of those things that we might have cropping up that we need to deal with before we leave is fear. I want you to know when you get there this afternoon, before you ever get to the room where you're meeting, we're meeting in the guy's dorm at the end of the hall upstairs on the left. That's where we're meeting. And you know who's there already? The Prince of Peace. He's just waiting for us to enter in and come before His presence on our face. You don't have to take fear from this place. You can give it to Him. He will come in to you. 
Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And we know where he went from there, don't we? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. You know where he was going? He was going to prepare a place for us. You know where he went? He went to the cross. And there is a place of peace that we all have to go and we're going to die there. We must. We must go there and die with the Prince of Peace. I don't know, I'd kind of like to draw a picture of these two ships sitting at the dock. I think one of them looks like this big mighty warship with, I said, cannons poking out the sides of it all around. It's a big mighty warship, a powerful thing. You know what I think sitting on the other side? The, the thing we're getting called to crawl into, it's David's canoe. That canoe, he said he's been out on rough seas and been scared to death. But there's no fear. We're going to get to another ship before this is over. By the way, we've been hearing a lot about ships and we wanted to uh, thank you, Troy, for bringing ships to our attention. This ship needs to be one of them too. Worship. Worship. And that's what we do together when we have peace and unity together in the things Troy's been sharing with us. Well, we sang a song twice this week from a passage of Scripture I want you to turn to even though you can quote it. Isaiah 26. Let's turn there this morning and get our eyes on it. That's one thing I've appreciated too about the teaching there's uh, been overheads and things on the board and we're all trying to soak it up and get it down. And, and several times, I'm a slow reader and I'm a slow writer. And I like to get everything. As In fact, I don't read many books. Uh, there's a book I thought about this morning when I was thinking about this warship. Um, and it, I was thinking about this, what it looked like with the cannon sticking out. And I thought, that thing looks like a porcupine. And it spawned a thought I'm just going to share with you. Have you ever heard of a book called how to Hug a Porcupine. Um, I don't read a lot of books. I just don't. And I've heard that title and that one intrigued me and someday I want to read it. But I think most of you must have already because you've been loving me all week. <laughs> I don't do a, a lot of reading in outside texts and because I'm a slow reader, I have to soak it all up. I'm an engineer, so I have to understand every detail as I go. And it, I just can't hardly get through a book. And so uh, David was up here with his many, many thoughts and many, many scriptures like are still up here. And I'm down there writing as fast as I can because I know he's going to talk faster than I can write. So I'm, and he said, stop writing. Okay. <laughs> and get your eyes on the Word. And that is blessed me. I want to take that with me. Stop writing and get your eyes on the Word. So, I know you know this, but let's look at Isaiah 26. Let's back up to verse 1. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah and at, you, at Bible School 2014. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever for the Lord Jehovah is what kind of strength? A little tiny bit right when you need it sometimes if you're really faithful. Everlasting, everlasting strength. This is wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace is everlasting strength. It is an infinite supply. An infinite supply for our every need. Isaiah 53, let's turn there too. I'm not sure how much of this to read for sure. We could read this whole chapter too. Isaiah 53, many of you could quote this. I like Isaiah 53 in a special way because to me it's a prelude to the New Testament. 
This, when I say that is, this is a New Testament chapter placed in the middle of the Old Testament. It is a prophecy that is so clear that we just go back to it and marvel at it from time to time. Isaiah 53 says, Who hath believed our report? That's a question. Who hath believed our report? The, the gospel has been preached this week. I'm telling you that the book of Acts, for instance, has been covered in, in depth. And yet, there's so much more. You know what I noticed about David? I feel sorry for him, actually. He has a pile of paperwork he has not yet presented to you. That paperwork represents hours of pouring over the Word of God. And he just baptized us in Acts and then we're going to have to go home and dig out some more later. I am just blessed by the fact that um, men of God are still pouring over the Word, and I want to call you to that. Well, this says, Who hath believed our report? The Gospel has been complete this week, hasn't it? Even though we haven't read every word in the, in the Gospels, it's been complete. So I'm asking you, class, Who hath believed the report? I want to see. Yes. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To whom? For he shall grow up before him, this is Jesus, as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground, Jesus hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see Jesus, there is no beauty that we should desire Jesus. There's nothing about looking on His form that would cause us to, to desire Him. Jesus is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from Jesus, and Jesus was despised and we esteemed Him not. We need to take ownership of that. That is the reality of where we've been. And that's um, the reality of our hearts unredeemed. Surely Jesus hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Jesus stricken, of God, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Jesus, and with Jesus' stripes we are healed. I'd like to read the rest of this passage. Of, uh, you do that. Go and replace those pronouns and put Jesus in there and read the rest of it. But what I really wanted to get is, this is the picture of the Prince of Peace. And the world marvels at it. They look at it and they see a weak man who died on a cross. Just a weak man who died on the cross. And young men, young ladies too, but especially you young men, I, I stood over there while you were singing at the pit yesterday, and I stood back and I watched people coming through the door. And it's really interesting to watch people. I like to do that. But you just stand there and watch people come through the door. They come through the door. I could see them out before they ever got in there because it's all glass and there's a couple doors they came through. They come strutting up there. They open up the door and they come in and they stop. It's like, what's that? And they're, they're listening. And you had their attention. And suddenly something happened to them because you were singing the songs and the words of the Prince of Peace. And there was an aura in the pit that they weren't used to. Something was there and it captured their attention and it, it disarmed them, some of them. And some of them moved closer. One guy, I don't know if you noticed him or not, he's coming in with this huge skateboard. I didn't know they made skateboards that big. It looked like a surfboard with wheels. But he came in there and he had that thing and he looked and he got excited. I saw it on his face. He got excited. He bounced over there and plopped down in a chair and he was into it. He was there watching, partaking. But beyond that, where you couldn't see, down the other hall, there was a big room with a glass, and there were men in there pumping iron. They were pumping iron, their weights. And, and, and I just marveled at the world. 
Because we've got that world in us. You know what? There was a day I'd been right in there with them. You know what? Sometimes that nature's still there. Um, sometimes I'd like to show off my strength a little bit. It's just the flesh. It's ugly. It's disgusting. But it's there. And I saw those men back there just exercising their strength. You know what? That's what the world honors. Strength in men. Because they want to put you on a warship. But the Prince of Peace is calling you to something different and you're going to look weak and foolish. Are you ready for that? Are you willing? Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the, chast <clears throat> excuse me, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. If we are to have peace in, in our hearts and in our lives, this is how it came to us and this is how we'll look too. We're going to, get, we're going to walk down the plank and all those young men your age, those strong young men walking with you in uniform with their chest puffed out and they're just walking down that plank to get on the warship, they're going to do something I saw happen there yesterday once or twice. They came through the door. They looked over there at what was going on, sized it up, looked at each other and smirked. Did you see that? Did you see that? That's going to happen. That's very real. But God is calling you to stand with Him in what the world calls weakness. It's extreme power. I want you to feel the reality of the power of peace and the impact that it has on the, the lives of those around us. Luke 1, 7, you don't, 79, you don't have to turn there, I'm going to read it. To give, he came to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. To guide our feet into the way of peace. I want to encourage you with these scriptures. You can jot them down and, and look them up later. Um, Luke chapter 24, verse 29. I do want to look at this one. Luke 24, 29. I'm going to look at several verses here, so let's look at it together. <clears throat> this has already been referenced once this week, and we want to come back to it again. But the setting here is um, these men that are walking to the road of, on the road to Emmaus. It's, Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. Uh, there's, the people are uh, wondering, the disciples are wondering about it. They're confused about it. And they're walking along, two of them are walking along the road here to Emmaus. In verse 29 it says, but they constrained Him saying, and they've been walking with this man that they've joined up with on the road, and he's been speaking things into their heart, and then they come to the end of the road here, and it says, But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in, he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, and blessed it, and brake it, and gave to them, and their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and then what happened? He vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us by the way? And while He opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and, and what? They ran back to Jerusalem. I want, you, I want you to think about the setting of this because part of this is important. First of all, they were traveling uh, from Jerusalem. They were traveling up to Emmaus. And in those days, you would travel in the daytime for safety. You would travel also with others, but you wouldn't think of traveling at night because that's when the robbers and the thieves were out and it was dangerous to travel at night like that. But they didn't care for that. They rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon." And they told 
what things were done in the way and how He was known unto them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, I want you to get this. I want you to place yourself here again. I want you to place yourself in this setting. You're sitting in the night, late at night, gathered together in the dark, in the dark or in a room, probably with a lit room in the darkness of the night. That's what I'm trying to say. And here we are all gathered together here. And these two run in and tell us about the reality of their day and they're, they're seeing Jesus resurrected. And it says in verse 36, And as they thus spake, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Now, this is really amazing to me because we're going to, at the end of this message, before we have a time for sharing, we want to look at another time earlier when Jesus appeared to them and, and they were afraid. And, and you would think, wouldn't you, that we've learned our lesson now and we wouldn't, but here they are again. Jesus comes into their midst and they were afraid because they had seen Him on the cross. They had seen Him in the, put in the tomb. They had seen all of that. And here He is now coming into their midst. I want you to just uh, imagine that, that right here we're talking together. We're having this little talk about the Prince of Peace. We, we're studious. We have our, our textbook in front of us. We have our notes. We're taking notes. But what if suddenly, right here by this, by this stand, Jesus appeared? What if that happened? That's what happened there. What would you do if that happened? I would follow my face, I'm sure. But I want us to recognize that this is how real Jesus still is. Not, we're not probably going to experience the tangible presence of Jesus, but it's still that real. And He still is the Prince of Peace. And He still comes to you and says, Peace be unto you. Today, as we wind up and as we get ready to head home and we think about going back to jobs and going back to families and going back to friends and going back to our environment, I want to just say on behalf of Jesus, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you as we go. Well, let's read on just a little bit more. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your heart? And then he said, Behold my hands and my feet. And he showed the, the scars in his hands and his feet. But here's what he said. Don't just behold. We've been beholding him this week as we've had the Scriptures opened unto us. We heard it last night as Brother Russ talked to us about beholding. Behold. Behold my hands and my feet that it is I Myself. Now He says, Handle Me and see. Handle Me and see. Take a hold of the Word. Take a hold of the truth. Get involved in this thing. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see Me have. And I'm not going to go farther, but they, they even brought... Jesus had to really work with their faith, didn't He? Three years of walking with Jesus. Three years of the miracles. Three years of all the experience that, he, that they had had with Him, the crucifixion, now the resurrection, and He's still having to work with them to get them to see it. You know, I, I just feel like we're all made up of the same stuff again. But I just want you to be encouraged as we go home. Behold Him, but handle Him. Get involved, actively involved with Him. He asked for, uh, they brought Him some fish, and He ate it in front of them. And then He vanished again through the, through the uh, wall. Um, let's go now to the thought from Romans 5.1 again. We've heard this again also. but Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk about this really briefly because justification, and we heard a little about theology. I also appreciated that thought. Theology is not a bad word. Theo is God, and this ology part is about knowledge. It's really theology is about knowledge of God. Men have abused it, and they've made all kinds of 
flowery uh, programs out of it, but we want to study and learn to know God. Justification is the point at which by faith we accept Him and we say we acknowledge and confess that we're sinners and we accept the Lordship of this Prince of Peace in our life. That's a point. It's a place. Justification by faith. We believe, we express that faith, and immediately Christ comes in to, to justify us. I've heard this called positional sanctification. Again, that, that sounds like a theological term. But what it does is it immediately takes us out of this warship and carries us over and places us into worship. That's a positional thing. It happens instantaneously on faith. It's justification is positional sanctification. And there's so much peace that comes from that according to Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you, when you experience that, that immediate release of, of giving your life over into the hands of Jesus, felt peace? How many of you felt that? Most of us, uh, we, it's a, maybe a little different position for each of us, but immediately we felt just peace in our heart and our life because now we have been saved by grace through faith. We have just been, just been pulled out of the mire. I love the picture that we get from, um, from Psalms chapter 40. The picture of being lifted up out of an horrible pit out of the miry clay and having our feet set upon a rock. Jesus Christ the rock. This is what justification looks like. Pulled up out of this horrible pit, set upon the rock, and then He puts a new song in our heart and He establishes our way. He establishes the path. Um, I have a very, very vivid picture of this for me. Uh, not, not about my justification. That's a vivid picture too. But I have a, an illustration I want to use Real quick, just to get the picture of what that, why we have such peace when we're pulled up out of the miry pit and, and what that actually looks like. Several years ago, our septic system backed up. And uh, it was right, it was actually, it was annual meeting time and we had a whole bunch of people there. It was really a terrible situation. We had floor beds in our basement and there were four mattresses on the basement floor and in the center of these four mattresses is a floor drain. And we had girls, yes, girls, <laughs> staying at our house, eight of them on these four mattresses, Tuesday morning, thankfully, of conference. And Lindsay came running up the steps and said, Dad, there's this black stuff coming out of the drain in the basement. Horror of horrors. It was sewage. It was disgusting. And thankfully, we have very good neighbors who uh, gave all the girls the use of their showers and Thankfully, it was on Tuesday and we didn't have to deal with that on, uh, all week long or through the conference. But so my job now is to fix this thing. So I went out to find out what's going on. Well, somebody had, had uh, put something down through the stool that they shouldn't have after cleaning up a baby and it lodged and blocked everything and it backed up. And so I didn't know all that, but I found it out after we dug down, uncovered the thing, and had a man come and pump all the sewage out of our septic tank. He pumped it all up into a truck. It was all gone, and it left a black, stinking hole in the ground. And this man uh, said, well, here's where your problem is. We are at the exit into the tank. Here's where the pipe goes out into the leach field. And at the other end of the tank, through this hole about 18 inches square, at the other end of the tank is the inlet. And what has happened is the inlet has gotten blocked. And somebody's going to have to go down in this tank and go to the other end and get that unblocked. And it's not going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go down into that and go over and take care of that business and come back out. I was, out, I was lifted up out of an horrible pit. Now, I want you to get this picture because that's where we are. Unredeemed, unregenerated. We are born in whose land? Satan's. He has title to it. We heard this. is his. He's claimed it. We're born in His kingdom. And that's what it looks like. I know you're not murderers. I know you're not. 
I know you're not druggies. I know you're not alcoholics. I know you're not... But you were in a horrible pit just like everyone else. Praise God for the Prince of Peace who came and lifted us up out of that. Well, there was another problem. Uh, this sewage had also gotten down because it blocked. Uh, it got out of whack and it ran sewage down in, raw sewage down into our uh, leach system. So it was plugged up too. So now we have to go fix that. The tank's fixed, but the sewer system or the leach bed needs to be fixed. And so, I don't know if I should take time to tell this or not. My wife says no. <laughs> I'm going to tell it anyway. I, I know. <laughs> She, she's part of it, that's why she doesn't want me to tell it, but it's good. I, I got out there on the other side of this tank now, and I dug down, and there was a T coming out of this tank, and the leach system went both ways. And I knew I was going to have to take this thing apart and find out where it was plugged and, and get it all cleaned out. And I dug a hole about um, three foot long or so, and there was a joint there that I was going to have to take apart. And so I got down in there, planted both feet on each side of it, leaned over, got a hold of the pipe, pulled on it, and the wrong section come apart and doused me from head to toe with black sewage. And it's terrible. I'm telling you, that stuff's nasty. And it got me literally all the way up. My entire face, hair, head, everything was doused in sewage. And so I, thankfully I had glasses on. I took them off so I could see. And I went staggering to the house and said, help! <laughs> Somebody come help me! And so they all come running out, Janet and the children, and they started laughing. <laughs> Here I am, covered in sewage, and they're laughing at me. You know what? That's kind of sobering, it really is. I don't think any of us would go and laugh at a person that's caught in the midst of all that stuff, but how often do we look at that and we say, how did they, where did they go wrong? I mean, how did they get themselves in such a situation? You know, where, where, I mean, how could they get, that's us. I'm telling you, when God looks at us, he sees us just like that. Well, thankfully, um, they didn't wash me with the water of the word, but they hosed me off and we got beyond that. Well, the day's not over. We went out and we had a bigger problem than we thought we had to put in a new leach system. My brother has an excavating business, so I borrowed a backhoe and I dug a ditch. And it started raining. And it rained. And it rained. And it rained. And now my ditch is filling up with water. And there was a, I'm not, a, I'm not very skilled with a backhoe. I should have had him do it. And there was a couple places where I dug too deep. And so what we had was we have now a ditch that uh, we're going to put a pipe in. We had to put some gravel in and put pipe in and everything. But there's some places where I hit the wrong lever at the wrong time and dug too deep. And so what's happening is the water that's supposed to be coming flowing, out of the, flowing into the other end of the ditch now has pooled in certain places. And it's because there was a hump here and a hole here and I need to get the hump into the hole so it would be level. So I got my boots on, and I got my shovel, and I got in the ditch, and I leveled it out. Then I went to get out of the ditch, and you know what I found? I was mired. Both of my boots were stuck in the mud, and I, and I would just wiggle one out, lean on the ditch, and get one up, shake off the mud, try to carefully put it down to pull the other one out, and you know what happened. I was stuck. The only way out of that ditch was leave the boots. I was stuck out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, lifted up and set on a rock. That's what positional sanctification and justification looks like, and that's why we rejoice. Furthermore, He puts us a new song in our heart. He shines His light on the path, and He establishes our way, and we rejoice. Happy evermore, right? What about a week later? What about two weeks later? What about a month later? And reality starts to smack, doesn't it? You know what? Justification's beautiful, but it's not enough. God wants sanctified lives. He wants fully sanctified lives. I hope we get to that Scripture too. He, God is interested in saving us, but He's also interested in perfecting us. 
And that's what the Prince of Peace is going to do for us as He comes into our life and we allow more and more of Him in us. Remember, justification sometimes, uh, I would say most likely always, is like the sponge bobbing on the top. That's where, that's where justification brings us. It gets us into the bucket, so to speak, into Christ Jesus. But there's still enough self left in there that needs worked out. And so this sanctification is now a process that we continue through. God wants that to happen. And too often, we are too satisfied. We enter into the back door of the church, now into the church, sit on the back bench, and do nothing further. We've arrived. No, we haven't. God is working a work in us. Remember yesterday I said, God set aside His requirement for righteousness to have relationship so that He might bring us to righteousness. God wants to bring us to righteousness. This thing of sanctification is to bring us more and more and more. He wants holy lives. He wants holy living. He wants to be in us and bring peace in the midst of all these terrible situations that we're going to have to walk or we're going to have to face. We're getting, our time is running out. I've got to stop and go forward. Write this down to look up later. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. This is what we wanted. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. May that be so in your lives. As we get ready to part from here, I just want to tell you that uh, you have a part of my heart after this week. And I don't want to go. I really don't. I'm looking at your faces and I'm going to miss some of your faces because I'm not going to see you for a while. And you have a part of my heart. I love you. And I am committed to praying for you. I love you. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you have a wonderful, intimate relationship with the with the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace. I want to see you have a deep, intimate relationship with Him. I see that you have it. I want to see it succeed. I want to see it go farther. Deeper into sanctification. That you might be sanctified wholly unto the Lord Jesus. 2 Peter 1-2 Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. This is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow these words okay, from Peter and give them to you. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Through the knowledge of them. May, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Well, we didn't get to it, but look up Mark chapter 4. And read about the time when they were in the boat and they were out on the sea and the waves got boisterous. You know, we're talking now about going home. We're talking about the reality of going home. We're talking about the fact that what you left at home is still there. We're talking about that the circumstances and the situations are still there. Now, there was a time when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and the winds and the sea became boisterous and the floods were coming into the boat the waves were coming into the boat. And what did they do? They became afraid and finally went and woke up Jesus. And they said, Master, we perish! Master, we perish! It could be that you'll get some feelings like this as you enter back into the reality of life. I want you to go and take a hold of Jesus. Because He's going to stand up and speak some powerful words to you. He's just going to say, Brother, Sister, Peace. Be still. Be still. I'm in control. I'm going to take care of this. You're not going to sink. Where's your faith? I want to take you a little deeper in this. It's very, very possible in that situation, the circumstance instantly changed. The wind ceased. We, uh, we meet at Roger Rapps for servant council in our district. And I have the blessed privilege because we're like cows. We all go into the same stall every time. Just kind of like some of you have been doing all week. Although I see a little changing up. We, I always sit in a certain chair there in Roger's living room. And we talk about deep things there. 
There's times we end up with our nose on the carpet. And things, we, we go deep with each other there from time to time, and I'm looking forward to going even deeper yet. But I have the blessed privilege if, as I sit there to turn to my left and right there's a picture. It's a large picture of a very stormy sky with the moon shining through to a very calm sea. And right there in the middle of that picture is a ship. And there are the men with Jesus. As Jesus stands with His hands, I think up, if I remember right, the details aren't all burned in yet. But there it says at the bottom of the picture, peace, be still. Peace, be still. The Prince of Peace is quietly speaking into your life. Peace, be still. I don't think He shouts it. I don't think He shouted that night. I think it was just like at the day of creation. I think He just said, peace, be still. And the, the uh, situation changed. He may not change your situation. There's another picture that I've uh, seen. I wish I had it. I wish I could have brought it and showed it to you. But it's a picture that also says peace. The caption at the bottom is peace. And it's a picture of a raging storm. It's a picture along the coast. It's a picture of, of cloudy skies. And you can just almost hear the wind blow as you look at the picture. And you can hear the water crashing in on the rocks and splashing up. And in the middle of that is a bird sitting on a nest. And the picture is peace. Peace. Your circumstance may not change. But God can change you in that circumstance. I just want you to realize that the Prince of Peace is there to meet you when you get back to your reality of life. I want to share something. I, I wasn't sure, sure I was going to. Five minutes, I got it. I'm going to come quick. I was, I was debating on whether to share this because it's a very personal account. But I'm going to. I, last night I thought about it when we were singing um, over at the shelter. Help me, Jan. <laughs> the song just left me. A uh, song we sang in Colorado. Oh, Lord, my God. How great thou art. Excuse me. How great thou art. Yeah. This, this thought came flooding back to me as you were singing that song. A picture came into my mind because I have a very strong association to this song. Oh, Lord, my God. Uh, You've got it, so I won't even say it. I'm not going to take the time. My emotions are too close, I guess. But I have a strong association with that song, with a, an event in our life. And I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't share it. Maybe, maybe not. And then, as I was just before I came down here, as I was closing up my Bible, I heard David walking down the hallway singing this song. And I thought, ah, confirmation. I'm going to share it. Uh, we were in Colorado several years ago with Kent Fulmers. How many of you know Carson Fulmer? A few of you do. Kyra's cousin, Carson. We were with Kent and Janine, and Sunday evening, um, before we were ready, shortly ready to leave, we'd been there a week in Colorado, and we fathers decided to take the children on a nice, peaceful evening, Sunday evening ride on four-wheelers. Sorry. It was a gentle path. It was a beautiful evening. Josie and I were on a four-wheeler together. We were the third one back. And it was such a gentle little path. She was seven then, almost eight. And I let her drive. It was really a, a nice, gentle, easy path. So I let her drive. She's seven years old. She's sitting in front of me, and I let her take everything. I just dropped my hands and let her have control. And It was a beautiful evening, and we were going up this nice, gentle, winding path. And all of a sudden, we came around the corner, and there was chaos in front of us. Kent and 
Carson and Cameron were on the lead four-wheeler, and Wesley and Mandolin were on the second one. And Mandolin was running down the path with a frantic look on her face, and she said, Carson's hurt really bad. And I thought, well, you know, girls do get emotional, and, and so I, I just tried to, tried to stay calm and calm her down. And then here came Wes, and he was, his face was white and he was crying. And something here's really going on. And so as I started to head up the path, here come Kent carrying Carson's limp body down the path. And we met there on the path, and we dropped to our knees, and Kent said, pray for us. Pray for us. And so we did. Kent knelt down holding Carson, and I laid my hands on both of them, and we began to pray. In the midst of a very desperate situation, that would not change so bad as we wanted it to. The circumstance could not change. But God brought peace. God brought peace like I've never experienced before. And we rose up, and yes, there were things to do, and we hurried about it, and we brought him back down, and it was a half an hour to, or more to the telephone. And we have a little boy who's... Um, Skull had been penetrated one inch into his brain. Skull bones were pressed one inch into his brain. And he was bleeding. God brought peace in the midst of that circumstance. I want to just briefly, real quick, tell you uh, uh, some of the process just so you can get the magnitude of it. We went to Gunnison Hospital finally and an ambulance arrived and took him to Gunnison Hospital. The emergency room doctor examined him they called for care flight. He went to Grand Junction, Colorado in care flight with his dad. And later we heard from the, the nurse at the emergency room there at Gunnison that that doctor said when the chopper lifted, that little boy's never going to make it. But we prayed. And God met us in the midst of that situation with peace. And he did a wonderful work. And 10 days later, he came home. And as far as I know, the only effect that Carson bears today is he's left-handed instead of right. A powerful work of God, and we praise him for it. But the real point is, he brought peace when he didn't change the circumstance. I want you to take that home with you. This is the God we serve, the Prince of Peace. He can bring peace even if the circumstance doesn't change. The next day, the... the um, I had to go back with the children and make some arrangements. And while they were four hours away, the rest of them, I came back and the sheriff came to do an investigation. And he wanted to see the scene of the accident and what all had happened. And, and there was a wash out there that caused the four-wheeler to flip over. And we were walking up the path to that. And there where we stopped to pray was a pool of blood. And so I went up and showed him where it happened and then I brought him back and I said, right here is where we stopped to pray. And that did something to that officer. Right here is where we stopped to pray. I, I want you to share with each other those times where God didn't change your circumstance, but He met your life and brought peace to your heart. I want you to put your arms around each other when... Things are tough. And share your experience with the Prince of Peace. God bless you. As you leave from here, you're going to go back to reality. But you're going to go back different because you've been touched by the Master. We're over on time, so come forward. I want to pray with you as when Pete comes. Thank you men for praying for me. All of you for praying. I felt your prayers. It's been a blessed week together. Now I'd like to pray for you. So let's just all stand. Heavenly Father, Holy God, Righteous One, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, we come to you just now. We, want to, we, we are just standing here worshiping you together. Thanking you for what you worked in our hearts and our lives. 
confident that as we go forward, you're going to continue to work in deeper sanctification, setting us aside for a holy purpose in your life, in our lives, in your work. Father, we just thank you for this time together. I want to thank you for each of these young people. I realize that as we stand here praying, there's an empty seat. And I just want to pray a powerful plea. Lord God, meet Brother Stephen. Just now, we know you can do that. Right now, while we're here praying, Father, would you just enter into him with peace? Would you speak to his pain? Father, right now, as we're here, would you heal him? We know you can. We're like the Hebrew children. We don't know if you'll do it right now just that way, but we know you can. And we just stand on that, Father. Father, I pray for these young people for the rest of the day. I know their cups are full. And I know some of it, maybe most of it's just going to run off, and that's okay. You'll bring it back to their remembrance when they need it. But I just want to pray especially for our prayer group time. Father, don't leave anything unturned here. Touch it, Father. And fill us. Fill us again with your peaceful presence and the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you, uh, before you go, would you pray for Sister Mary Kate? <coughs> yes. Heavenly Father, special request has just come to us and we want you to hear our hearts, hear our cry, hear our plea to you, Father. We come on behalf of our dear sister, Mary Kate. Father, we know that she has a very real hurt. And it's deep. But we know that you came to bind up broken hearts. And I just pray, even again right now, Father, would you take both of your nail-pierced hands and hold her heart. Pull together the rend. Bind around it, Father, with healing. Father, not just her, but the, the whole family. You can do that. We know that we don't have to be there to touch them, but you can touch mm -hmm. them, Father. So do, please. Father, we thank you for the work that you did in Zeke's life and how he touched all of us with his ready smile. Father, we don't understand why you took him. It's a circumstance we can't change. But we know it was for your honor and for your glory. And so, Father, help us to accept it and, and bring peace to that. Again, in Jesus' name, amen.